0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much, and enjoy today's podcast.
1: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in.
0: Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We are glad to be with you. We hope you're glad to be with us. Seth, how you doing?
1: I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm hoping people are glad to be with us as well.
0: You don't. You think most people are just like <laughs> downloading and, and and streaming this podcast, but grudgingly,
1: <laughs> like lots of regret in their head. They're just loathsomely hitting play. <laughs> <laughs> I could be doing so many other things with my life, and here I am with here this am. podcast again. to an introduction
0: to Ecclesiastes, the most inspiring book of the Bible. So, uh, cats out of the bag with the title that you clicked on. Well, you already know. Or we're maybe talking about they Ecclesiastes. just streamed
1: it and didn't even look at it. it That's right. Auto-played. Just autoplayed. Autoplayed. Surprise.
0: Surprise.
1: <laughs> Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. <laughs> They're like,
0: oh no, how do I unlock my phone and get out of here? No. Um. So yeah, we're going to be talking about our first wisdom book um, that we've we've talked about as, aside from a few psalms. Um, yeah. And that's very wisdom, exciting.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe people don't know that Ecclesiastes is part of the, the wisdom tradition within Scripture. So mm-hmm. we have the book of Proverbs, mm-hmm. the um, this book, Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. the book of Job, and right. then Lamentations. Is Lamentations considered wisdom literature as well?
0: I don't know. Wait, wait uh, in which
1: ordering? In the Tanakh? Like in the original uh, Hebrew? Or even ordering? just like by... Content. I was not so much order. Oh. But, um, regardless, the big three are Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and the Book of Job. That's yeah. the big three piece of wisdom literature. So, is this? Are the Psalms not in that? There are some Psalms that are considered wisdom literature. Wisdom yeah. And even we've talked about how Genesis one is in some ways a wisdom text because it talks about the good and the bad life. Uh, the good and the blessed life or the blessed and the evil life, the foolish life. Yeah. But really, these three books stand out above all others as the wisdom text of scripture. So if, mm-hmm. we were, if I was going to give you flat-footed, what is wisdom and what is wisdom literature? How would you start to answer that question? Oh, gosh. I well, maybe, think... maybe, maybe not wisdom literature. What is wisdom? So we have what, oh, literature, oh, but like, what okay, is literature, but what is okay. okay, okay. Like, what is wisdom? wisdom?
0: Okay, man. Okay, so this is this is off the cuff. Uh, wisdom is God's. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on. Wisdom is God's knowledge of right and wrong played out in real life. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I like I'm trying that. to use like some biblical categories, like with the yeah, knowledge yeah. of right of good and evil, like at the tree, mm, right, right in Genesis one. And wisdom in Genesis one would have been trusting God's word of what is right and wrong. Over mm-hmm. finding it for yourself, right, and playing that out in real life by not going to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and grabbing it for yourself. So wisdom is God's revealed knowledge yes. acted out in real life. So and it's I not just even... abstract knowledge, like of but... I know this is good and this is bad, or this is smart and this is stupid. It's how Did do you spell those smart categories with, an o with your voice <laughs> smart smart smart, it's smart. It's, yeah, yeah. It's smart um, um, it's it's those categories entered into real life and yeah. encountering real scenarios.
1: Yeah. I think that's helpful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it is, but it's, I think it's, so wisdoms is used a lot of different ways within yeah, scripture. Right. And so I think another like aspect to wisdom that the Bible names is even just observing the world mm-hmm. and acting in accordance with its properties. So like the, the the um the example I have in my mind is like the tailors who made the priests' clothes mm. and the metal workers who carved the decorations for the tabernacle. In they did Exodus. it with wisdom. They did it with wisdom. Yeah you're right. Yeah. What does so that like mean? The, <laughs> so what I think so like they've talked about uh Oh Holy Ab and Bezalel being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it yeah, could yeah, mean yeah. just being filled with the Holy Spirit. But I actually think it means something like more fundamental. They were able to see wood for mm-hmm. what it was and they were able to manipulate it into something beautiful like, is, that if you don't like, under-
0: is, is that like when you hear a sculptor saying like when they look at a marble slab they can see the statue inside of it and then they're just getting rid of everything that's not the statue is that is that I what you're think saying so. like there's okay. like
1: there's an like they, they understand how a material works okay so they yep. know how to manipulate it to build and use it for some other end and Does that manipulate. Make
0: sense? Well, manipulate. And manipulate's a very pejorative term. Yeah, yeah. Is, can... You're not meaning it to be pejorative. Oh, no, just are like
1: you? they can, like, form it. They can fashion it. Yeah, they yeah. can work use with it. it. They can work, work with, with it. 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 I like that. Um, work with it.
0: I think it's helpful for, for wisdom. Because I think what you're. The, the illustration you're getting at is that God has built a wise world, which we need to talk about Him creating mm-hmm. with wisdom. But like He's built a world and there's wisdom within it. And if you work in a certain way using wisdom, you will get good things out of it. Like good things will yes. come out of this world that God's built if you kind of go with the grain of the universe. Yeah. Yes. Is, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's exactly right. And I think okay. that works with like, um, Nations like a, a people uh, in deuteronomy thirty four Moses is said to lead with wisdom, so he's mm. leading a nation with wisdom right and so I think there it's like he knows how people work and we just finished the book of Deuteronomy mm-hmm. like he knows they're going to go and sin again. and so knowing the proclivity of his people, he's leading them with an eye to their future problems and their current mm. situation, and he's leading them well because he understands how Israel works, how his people work. Yep. So wisdom isn't simply, it is God's revealed wisdom, his revealed uh, will or his like mm-hmm. plan for a particular circumstance, but it is also, I think, working with the way that God has designed people right. and yeah. the way that it, the world as it is. Yeah. Like and I like, think
0: that goes, and that's, fa- that's founded on not only observations for how we see the word wisdom as it appears in the Bible work out in different situations, like you've named with Oliahab and Bezalel and Moses, right? We also mm-hmm. know that because the Bible tells us that God formed the world with wisdom, and wisdom yes. is, is this in Job? This is in Job, right?
1: What are you talking about?
0: Where he's like, uh, he, like, with wisdom, he created everything, and wisdom is this second chief creation of his. and like That's, like, that's Proverbs. Proverbs 3. Oh, Proverbs, Proverbs. By the okay. wisdom,
1: the Lord laid the earth's foundations. Yeah, By understanding, he set the heavens in place.
0: So good. So there's this principle that God has this character within him that is wisdom. And he used that character within him of wisdom to create everything. And so every part of the world, um, atoms and stars and atmosphere and gravity, all have fingerprints of wise working on them. Yeah. And yeah. not only that, but also like... um intangible categories, right? Like morality and our sense of justice and consciousness, right? And the mind and the id, like all these things also have these indelible imprints of God's wise creation upon them. And so when we live in a way with wisdom, we are acting in agreement with the way God built these things. And the promise of wisdom is that things tend to go well for you when you live within the grain of the universe
1: yes i mean a really simple example is like gravity is an example of god's wisdom the law of gravity the constant law of gravity is an example of god's wisdom you can actually create energy by using the law of gravity in a mill and a Mm -hmm. river so -hmm. you have this river pushing like the the bottom Uh, of the uh, mill uh, up Mm -hmm. and then gravity bringing the water back down and that creates um, a big millstone in the middle uh-huh. of, i don't know why i went to a mill but like you have these natural forces a river and yeah. gravity that actually make your work easier mm-hmm. you're able to produce more to do more because you're working
0: because... with the wisdom of god that he's built into the universe that's exactly right okay
1: so okay. one of the ways that i th- like uh, in the proverbs devos that i wrote i think like um is it's the ability to understand how life or people or nations or objects or uh, nature itself work and then use that wisdom and understanding to respond appropriately, justly, or skillfully, and even morally. Mm-hmm. And so, like, so like, this, like, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that's so that's kind of like that's that's the broadest category of wisdom yeah. that we can draw, right? So, so I'm it's thinking not one of like, thing, like, a, it's like a concrete
0: things. example from like Proverbs, like a proverbial view of wisdom is like, um, You know, say you have a big decision coming up in your life. Proverbs says that it's wise to seek out many counselors. And it's it's wisdom to have lots of people speak into the decision you're making. And what will tend to happen is you'll tend to make a better choice and probably the right choice if you have more counselors speaking into what you do. It would be foolish and unwise of you to just make flippant decisions without consulting anybody like right. that it, that's like that's in proverbs and that's yeah. a, a an example of wisdom that like God has made it so that we make better decisions whenever we consult other people and we bring community to bear on personal decisions.
1: Yes, and there's even Heck. some really like fun like uh fun like funny ones uh like when the uh this is Proverbs 14:4 4, where there are no oxen uh-huh. the manger's empty but from the str- the strength of an ox abundant harvest comes so the idea is like where there it's are like no oxen it's like a riddle but like the, it's wisdom where there are no oxen the manger's clean you don't have to clean up anything but oh oh have, oh so if you don't
0: so if you don't have any oxen you don't have any chores that's exactly right okay okay but I got when it. you
1: add the strength of an ox and all the mess that comes with it your harvest abounds oh, so, there's so, like, so there's like so
0: you have no chores but you also have no food <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Okay.
1: so there's wisdom in making sure you have like you use the resources that you have to create a harvest for yourself, but there's also the wisdom of like that also comes with chores. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Um, okay. 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 That, so it's that's kind of starting, all over the place. That's starting to make sense. Wisdom's not one thing is what you were saying. It's not one thing. Okay. I think this is why I think this is why when Solomon in the book of Proverbs Talks about like the heart of true wisdom. Like, what is like, what is the burning center of wisdom? Mm. He says in Proverbs one seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because like, um, wisdom is both understanding and responding to the way the world works, right. and you can't be truly wise. Without understanding and responding to the one who made the world and who designed Uh how it works. Like Mm -hmm. true wisdom has to take into account the creator and the wisdom that he used. Right. So, what is true? Like, so what is wisdom generally? But what is true wisdom? What is biblical wisdom? It's not just acting with the way the world seems to act or within the laws of physics, like Mm. without reference to God but it's doing those things with reference to God, thinking of him constantly fearing and choosing him above other alternatives. Mm -hmm. What's that making you think?
0: Oh my goodness. It's making me think that like, at least that last thing you said makes me think that like what the world would call wisdom is unwise because I think when we think about wisdom, we think about acting wisely, making good informed decisions Maybe maybe noble, full of character and integrity decisions, um, more moral decisions, ethical decisions, right? Like yeah, that's like, part oh, that of it. Was, that was wise. But, but what you're saying is sometimes God's wisdom operates counterintuitively to man's wisdom, and we must go to him to see what true wisdom is because it might not seem like it's just the apparent case. In the world in which we, we live, in the water in which we swim. Like, there might be something yeah. bigger happening that we need to consult a higher um, power. I think higher you power. can
1: say generally mm-hmm. the world works. Like, the way, like, living in accordance with the way the world works is wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that'll get you pretty far. There okay. are a lot of non believers, not a lot of people that are not Christians that can use the material world, the laws of nature to create amazing technologies. Right. They're using a category of biblical wisdom. But mm-hmm. that only gets you so far mm-hmm. because as you said at the beginning, wisdom is not just working with the woof and warp of the world. It mm-hmm. is also God's revelation. Right. And so there's some things that don't make intuitive sense on the surface if you're just going according to some principles of the way the world seems to operate. Does that make yes, sense?
0: It does make sense and I mean that is the on ramp into Ecclesiastes. It, yes, it I mean, is it the on ramp. Ecclesiastes. This was unplanned. This was unplanned. <laughs> but that is the on ramp into Ecclesiastes. Um, and, and like, why, why? I think people listening to this being like, I logged on to this episode to get a beat on what Ecclesiastes is about. And you guys won't shut up about Proverbs, but right. but why did we spend so much time talking about Proverbs? And why does that set up a good category? for how to understand what ecclesiastes is trying to do
1: so like what proverbs is doing it's trying to give you wisdom like it's telling you wisdom the heart of true wisdom is fear of the lord it's obeying his commandments it's following his like not just the design of the universe but his will and his word as well it's mm-hmm. one of the ways you can think about it, it's like proverbs is the way the world should work it's mm-hmm. the way the world that like got the it's way the way the world uh, it's the way the world what am i trying to say i don't know it's the the way it's, the world works. The book, <laughs> the book of Proverbs explains the way the world as God has designed it to work. Yes. It right. describes the the ideal pattern for life yes. in, in our fallen world. Yes. Ecclesiastes kind of takes all those assumptions and says, okay, you've read the book of Proverbs. You've seen what true wisdom really is. Mm. You've seen the way the world should work. Let me show you the way the world actually works mm-hmm. it's wisdom literature in the sense that it kind of correctly describes the way the world actually works like mm-hmm. the way the world actually comes about but it's different from proverbs because it doesn't explain the way the way the world should work in the right. same way so so to you dip kind back in all some the of exceptions our exceptions right to the so to get yeah.
0: back in some of our examples um, we said that like mm-hmm. if you have an ox yeah you have a bunch of chores but at least you have a full belly you know, yes. Uh, mm. The uh, Ecclesiastes would come in and be like, uh, "Yeah, except for the guy who has a you know no chores and he's sitting on a trust fund and hasn't lifted a finger in his whole life and exactly he's a little right. twerp. What about that guy, Mister Proverbs? Yeah. You know, yes. <laughs> like that's the, and like Ecclesiastes yes. would come along and like Proverbs those says things.
1: there's good there's good things to be gained from hard work and cleaning out a manger. Ecclesiastes comes along and says actually most people, many people don't work at all and are still rich." Yeah, Why and those who so?
0: work and those who work the hardest have the least. Yes. Yeah, that's what Ecclesiastes would come along and say, and you'd be like, ah oh, dang it. Ecclesiastes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's wisdom in the sense that it's correctly describing describing the, the way, way the, the world, world, world works. Yep. But not the way the world should work. Yep. And so that's kind of the big difference between like what Proverbs is and what Ecclesiastes is. But at the same time they're both wisdom. Because they're mm. both explaining the way the world works, just from I two see. different perspectives. Does that oh, make sense? Okay. Uh,
0: and when you used wisdom, just then you're using it as a genre category, yes, not as yes. a like a descriptive theological noun, like y- to say okay. that, like, yes, Did I? I, I think, I think so. <laughs> I think so because you're saying that Ecclesiastes is wisdom, and mm. I think what you mean by that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think what you mean by that is it fits the biblical category for wisdom literature because it's describing the way the world works, right? Yes. But it's not the same kind of wisdom that is, maybe if we want to call it capital W wisdom, that is the way God designed it to work.
1: Mm. Well, uh, potentially. Okay. Potentially. I, I think it could go both ways. I think you could say, like, there is a special type of wisdom in the book of proverbs that um communicates god's heart in a way that the book of ecclesiastes doesn't yes but uh i think ecclesiastes is also wisdom in the lowercase w sense of the word the fact that it accurately describes the world Mm -hmm. not because god designed it that way but potentially because god cursed it that way does that make sense it does make sense yeah so like Ecclesiastes is showing us like the world outside of the garden, like wisdom outside of the garden. And so we'll get to this in a moment, but there's all these hints that we should get back to the garden in the book of Ecclesiastes. You should Uh eat and you should drink and you should be merry. I think he's calling us away from the wisdom that would say that there's nothing in this life to be enjoyed. It's all pointless. And he's calling us back to the garden.
0: Okay. That's so good. Okay. Because... (laughs) Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, this uh, I, don't, I can't remember when this will air, actually. So I can't remember if our introduction on Proverbs will be out yet or not. But regardless, I've been working on the Proverbs introduction for spoken gospel and just reflecting on how much tree of life language is in Proverbs. Like it's everywhere. Yes. And yes. like the tree of life, the way to the tree of life is the book of Proverbs. And it's like, be wise and you will get back to the Garden of Eden. And so what you're saying is that Ecclesiastes and Proverbs have the same goal in mind, which is to mm. get us back into the Garden of Eden. Yes. One is by saying, here's the way of life. The other is by saying, everything that you think is a way to life here on earth is actually death. <laughs> and the, yes. there's more. There's it's more. It's like the lift, positive lift and negative cases for getting yep. back to the Garden of Eden. Two sides of the same coin, as the saying yes. goes. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm very interested in that. That's very interesting. Okay. Um... What else do we need to say about wisdom literature before we dive into some of the, um, uh, the specifics of Ecclesiastes?
1: Well, I think we need to talk about why wisdom literature is important as it relates to our study of and worship of Jesus. Yes. Um, so, like the per- so wisdom can feel um, philosophical, uh-huh. like if, well, you know, like the word. Phil- philosoph means mm-hmm. lover of wisdom, right? right. It just means yep. like a lover, of, a philosopher, somebody who loves wisdom. Right. And we had this connotation, like the, this kind of dry, arid professor somewhere. It's mm. probably the class you either loved in college or you hated in college. Yeah, yeah. But like that's um, it's not kind of the context that we, not the, yeah. the tone we want to set here. Yeah, I think um, also
0: wisdom wisdom can come across as a very moralistic category. You yes. Know, where it's very easy to fall into a moralism where it's like, cool, Proverbs is just like a guidebook to salvation. If I do X, Y, Z, I get back. Into I'll the live Garden this blessed life. And I'll live this blessed life and everything's great. And I don't need Jesus, you know? And so that's not, that's clearly Jesus came to prove that it's not the kind of wisdom that he's talking about. And so, um, yeah, sorry. What were you setting up there with?
1: No. So what I was setting up was like, so we can approach the idea of wisdom literature kind of as either kind of this dry intellectual exercise or this Mm -hmm. moralistic exercise Mm -hmm. where it's like we come to wisdom literature to find out the right formula. If I do this, then Eden pops out of the other side. (laughs) But um, like, that's not what wisdom brings us to. It's like, Mm. fascinatingly, all throughout Proverbs, um, wisdom is personified. It's like, it's described most concretely not as a formula but as a woman as a woman lady like, wisdom as lady wisdom who's calling out to people to follow her follow her ways
0: yeah and she she cries out to people if anyone would listen to my voice i will pour my spirit into them and they will have life
1: yes so yeah pour my spirit into them so that they might have life. Like that might as well have been ripped from John four when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. I think it was we a rip. <laughs> like, but we also have like really like clear, like indications within the new Testament that they're drawing on the wisdom literature as well. Mm-hmm. So even for the fact that Proverbs three tells us that the Lord made the world with wisdom in John one tells us that Jesus made the world. Yes. So like, we know that when it says the Lord, Yahweh, Jesus was forming the world with wisdom. The yes. reason the world works according to certain patterns and predictable outcomes is because Jesus designed it that way. Mm. And Colossians 2.3 says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians that we preach Christ crucified because the power of God and the wisdom of God are hidden within the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So like we have really strong uh, pointers in the New Testament to say that Jesus is definitively Lady Wisdom. He Mm -hmm. is wisdom Mm -hmm. personified living on the earth. He's as if the book of Proverbs came to life. Yes. and he doesn't make the decisions Ecclesiastes tells him not to make. But yes.
0: Uh, okay, so I think there's two things I'm hearing here. One is the easy thing, which I wish we could just stop there. But there's a deeper thing that I want to like try to plumb with you. So, okay. so there's the easy thing, which is like Jesus lived a life of wisdom, right? Yes. Like he lived in perfect accordance with the world that he had made. Um, I think the strange thing that happened there is that when he did that, it didn't lead to a blessed life for him. It led to death, and that seems very unwise. And that seems like he did something wrong. Um, and yet, like you were, like some of the verses you were quoting, the death of Jesus is ultimate wisdom because those who lose their life actually end up saving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so and like the wisdom of God from eternity past. Like this brilliant, wise plan that God put in place when he made the world with wisdom was to die in the world that he wisely made like that is yeah. that is the picture like I, I'm trying to so there's this other layer I'm trying to like drill down into, which is why is wisdom inside Jesus? Like, why is it within Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection that all wisdom is contained? Because if we try to just say that wisdom is like, these moral precepts are living alongside the grain of the world, we're getting to part of it, but the Mm -hmm. reality is Christ. And so, like, what does it mean to say that wisdom is within Jesus? Like, that's that's hard. That's blowing my mind.
1: First Corinthians, again, the foolishness of God Mm -hmm. is wiser than men and yeah. the weakness of god is stronger than men the foolishness of god is wiser than men so what do you ha- what did you just describe mm-hmm. doesn't it seem foolish yeah that jesus would live a wise life and get nothing from it it's the yes. book of ecclesiastes it's the book of ecclesiastes like, the, yes. isn't this a foolish life to spend perf- doing all these great things and, doing and then everything no rewards ends from in death. it yeah and then so it, what, and it also what, Paul, it
0: also counteracts proverbs that's like uh he did all these things and Where's the blessing?
1: And so what, Paul is Paul is like putting your. It's like why is that why why how yeah. could that be wise? How could, how could that, that be, be wise?
0: wise? It's foolishness and to the Jews.
1: It's foolishness <laughs> to the Jews, and the it seems foolish to God. Didn't God design the world this way? Yeah. But what see what God considers foolish, what we can only see as foolish, God sees as wise. Mm-hmm. Like he's like I don't know if that's getting. What to hitting for you? What I want it to, but like
0: it's getting close. I think what I'm what I'm starting to circle around in my own heart is this idea that if wisdom is how to live rightly in the world, and all of wisdom is within Jesus as a person, you know, and as Mm -hmm. God revealed. And as God revealed in the act of death and resurrection, he's like, and he's wisely ruling as our king. So if, if wisdom is living rightly in the world and wisdom is all inside of Jesus, then the best way to live within this world. Is living, it, is living in it with Jesus, is like looking yes. for Jesus, communing with Jesus, worshiping Jesus, like communing with Jesus. Like that is wisdom. What is wisdom? It's being with Jesus. Like if he's wisdom, then to have wisdom is to have him. And the wisest thing we can do is to get him. To feast on him to be with him to rejoice in him like I feel like that is where all wisdom literature is driving me now that I'm looking back at it as quickly as I can in my mind is it's like every wisdom psalm is telling me to rejoice in Yahweh fully revealed in Jesus like every proverb is telling me to like walk alongside Jesus as he is lady wisdom guiding me down the path of life Ecclesiastes is telling me that no endeavor I find in this world is going to satisfy me fully unless I have Jesus with me like side by side so it's like the wise thing I can do to live in this world is to get Christ. Like that, right. that's, I feel like yes. that's what I'm wanting to land on. That I don't yes. know if I've ever named before. Is that's the wisest thing I can do is to get Jesus.
1: Yes, I. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Wisdom is gaining Christ. It's getting wisdom yeah. inside of you. That's exactly right. And I want to like keep. I want to keep pushing for my, the foolishness of God. Like, what what, what does that mean? Mm. And why is that wisdom to us? Um because i th- but i can 't i can 't figure it out it's like there 's something there 's a twist there that we 're not expecting yeah. the foolishness of God is to have Jesus die on the cross. The well, foolishness of God yeah. is to have him live a perfect life yeah. and then to get none of the rewards that well, he promised them
0: i think we I think we go back to wisdom right wisdom literature the key to wisdom literature is how do we get life if if proverbs is all about getting us to the tree of life and and Ecclesiastes is about pointing to us that, like, without true wisdom, all we get is death. Like, yeah. the what hangs in the balance with wisdom is life and death. And it seems mm-hmm. to be the bent of wisdom literature to guide us in our lives in a way to which they're bent towards life. And yet, yeah. when God, wisdom in the flesh, he who made the whole world in his wisdom comes, he chose death after living a wise life? That's stupid. That's foolishness. And yet... In that um, is the wisest thing that has ever occurred because the whole bent of the universe, the whole grain of the universe was not just bending towards morality or towards a smart way of living or towards making wise decisions. The whole grain of the universe was bent toward the cross of Jesus for, for the moment when God would reveal that the wisest mm-hmm. thing that has ever been done is the greatest power dying for his enemies. Is like love showing itself on full display for those who don't deserve it. The wisest thing that can be done is laying down your life for another. Like that is true wisdom. It's the gospel.
1: The greatest wisdom of the world is death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. And then think about so many like Paul does this. A seed goes in the ground and it dies. Right. And it brings forth new fruit. A star implodes and it creates a black hole, sucking things towards it, but also like potentially the beginning of new universes like right. we have yeah. all these examples within our created order where death brings about new life like mm. always even like crazy ones where like praying mantis females eat their husbands or oh, their hu- yeah husbands. their husbands yeah. but without that the young don't survive yeah, like so weird we, like there is the deepest wisdom is jesus christ and him crucified and there are hints of it even in the seasons oh my gosh the death of winter brings yes. about spring.
0: And and to think about this, think about, oh okay, so to, to to finish this thread, the greatest if wisdom is all about how to get life. How do we get life in Christ? We die. Yes. Like we die to sin, we die to self, we die in Christ. We are crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Galatians 2:20 is is wisdom incarnate like in a little sentence. I have been crucified yeah. with Christ; nevertheless I live. And so like what is how do we how do we walk on the path to wisdom today as Christians we die with Christ and in that is the greatest wisdom that in that death we will live forever. Like that's it. Like that is the deep twist of wisdom in the foolishness of God dying on a cross.
1: Those who try to gain their own life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will gain it. And I think if you were going to like put in new testament gloss on the book of ecclesiastes that's as probably as close as you're going to get those who try to gain their own life are going to lose it but those who lose their life for god's sake will gain it
0: Hey friends, David here with a quick reminder. We don't only release podcasts every week. We also release video introductions to books of the Bible every month. Just search Spoken Gospel on YouTube if you haven't watched them yet. And we also release short three-minute distillations of the conversations Seth and I have in our devotional videos. Three of these come out every week unless we're on a season break. And you can also find those on our YouTube channel as well. YouTube.com slash Spoken Gospel. All right, back to it. Okay, so we have gone down, for me, what has been mo- one of the most beneficial rabbit holes I think I've ever gone down in quite a while. <laughs> um, we've talked a lot about Proverbs. We've talked a lot about wisdom literature. We've touched Ecclesiastes. So I want to double down now for all of our, our friends listening who are like, when are you going to
1: talk about Ecclesiastes?
0: <laughs> uh, 30 oh wait, minutes let's later. Let's talk, let's talk about <laughs> it. Um uh, so Ecclesiastes, it comes to us, and it's anyone who's read it knows it is a very unique book of the Bible. Even non-Christians will read it because they, they feel like it's the only book they can relate to because it has this very sober, raw, jaded almost, it seems, mm-hmm. view of the world where he's like, you know... No matter how much pleasure you get, you're never satisfied. You know, no matter how much money you get, you're never happy. No matter how fulfilling of a job you have, it never, you know, actually brings you contentment. Uh, you know, no matter and how even much, even if you, you make money, it's yeah. gonna
1: all be wasted on your entitled son. So that's right. And then yeah. you'll ruin
0: your son. Uh, and then ultimately, no matter what you do, give it enough generations, and they'll forget about you. It's like, yeah, yeah you know, like we remember George Washington, but do you remember? Who was the president of a country, you know, 10,000 years ago? I no, you know. I given preached this book
1: not too long ago with my uh, student ministry. And I was like, how many of you know your grandparents' names? I had uh-huh. everybody raise their hand. Great grandparents' names. A ton of people's hands dropped. Great, yeah. great grandparents' names. Like two people. Yeah. Like in a room full of 100 and something kids, two people remember their great, great grandparents' names. Anyway, right. the point is, Ecclesiastes says, see? It's yep. not worth building a name for yourself because not even your own children right will remember you.
0: <laughs> yep, and, and it's just like it's like you know how many people died right now and no one knows about it. Like those are the kind of sentiments that Ecclesiastes brings to us and it's like a real downer. Or yes. is it? You know like or that's my, yeah. so that's my question to you Seth is is Ecclesiastes just this pessimistic dark cloud that doesn't really belong in the bible <laughs> like what's what's going on with this <laughs> book is it pessimistic is it is it a sad book that we should it's just It's like,
1: like honestly speak? one of the things that I I so I I've studied this I don't know how many hours I've spent studying Ecclesiastes um and I've honestly had no more difficult time trying to nail down what a book means or the tone of the book than I have in the Ecclesiastes. Yep. So I kind of say that to, uh, up front to say like there's actually a lot of different ways people have historically yes. um, read interpreted, Ecclesiastes, interpret yeah. Ecclesiastes. Yeah, and
0: full disc- full disclaimer to our dear friends and listeners out there who have grown fond of the bond between Seth and I. You should know we're still best <laughs> friends. <laughs> But, but also, no book has caused longer arguments off-air yeah. between Seth and I, all very well-spirited. Uh, <laughs> but we have talked for probably accumulated almost 10 hours of discussion just over this debating book. Whether or debating whether not... Debating. Now, we've come down on something we agree on. and yeah. so, uh, But you might get hints of that discussion here and there. But we, yeah. come, we came down on the same side, and I was, it was fruitful. But to, I just say that to say, like, people have wrestled with how to understand this book it's not evident of if it's like so is the author of ecclesiastes like is it wisdom to listen to him and his pessimism like do i need to adopt a pessimism into so maybe my life this or? is a
1: helpful place to also talk about like how is ecclesiastes structured a little bit too so like there's a really clear introduction to the book of ecclesiastes in ecclesiastes 1 through 11 so the first 11 verses and there's a really clear conclusion in 12 uh 9 through 14 Right, And the rest is told from a different perspective than the, two, the intro and the conclusion. So some people will read the book and say, we have a father introducing his son to the collected writings of this man named Kohelet. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you have like this secularist in the Bible who's saying, look at how pointless everything is. And he's giving this alternate vision of reality. And this father is inviting his son to read it And then critique it on its own. That's one way to read the book. Another way to read the book is, uh, which I I was compelled by for a long time. I thought it was a really interesting way to frame the book. You actually have within scripture a non-Christian, non-Yahweh-fearing point of view that we're being asked to wrestle with. Mm. But I don't think that actually does justice to what's actually happening in the book of Ecclesiastes. Right. Over and over again within that supposedly secularist frame, God jumps in the middle of it. Kohelet tells us Kohelet's the name of the author. I don't know yeah, if the preacher, the preacher, the teacher. Kohelet uh, is
0: just the, the Hebrew conjugation yeah. of the word.
1: And uh, But he just jumps in and talks about how we should fear God and praise God and worship God and remember God and what God has done for us. So it's like, I don't think that's the way to read it. Um, the other way to read it is profoundly optimistically that in line with wisdom literature there is um he's telling us the way we should act in a world that seems off Mm. and the advice is to eat and drink and be merry uh because tomorrow we die basically that's kind of like the short version of it like eat drink and be merry because like Enjoy your wife. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy your yeah. wine.
0: It's like Be- the parable. It's like the parable of this this uh, businessman who comes to the fisherman, and he's a great fisherman. And every day, the fisherman goes out on the lake and he fishes for a couple hours catches what he needs for the day, comes in, takes a long siesta with his wife, and then has dinner with his family. Yes. And 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 then the, the this businessman comes in. He's like, hey, you're a great fisherman. Why don't you start a fishing enterprise? And you can work and grow this great big fishing enterprise. And then whenever you have all the money in the world, you'll be able to just go out on your boat and fish for a little bit, come in, take a siesta with your wife, and then have dinner with your family. He's like, yeah. I have that now. Yes. And so like some people think that the wisdom of Ecclesiastes is just enjoy the small bit of goodness you have now instead of trying to get a bunch because it ultimately won't satisfy.
1: Yes, and I think there's good... I mean, that there, there is good wisdom there. I've talked to a lot of people who are just totally dissatisfied with what's going on. Like, So the wisdom of enjoying what you have because tomorrow it could be gone is good wisdom. And it's an optimistic type of wisdom. Like, It could be like, enjoy what you have. God's given it to you. Just enjoy it. So there's an a optimistic way to read it. Mm-hmm. And there's like, this really negative way to read it where it's like everything is so the word they use is hevel or smoke or like wind vanity of vanities vanity of vanities vanities. like you spend your whole life trying to pursue things that never end up working out for you you pursue Mm -hmm. wealth it falls away or your entitled son steals it all like it just doesn't work so might as well just eat the food you can drink the wine you can and be kind of uh, mildly depressed. And be mildly depressed because what, what better life is there? Yeah, it's a, ni- <laughs> so, it's
0: a, ni- a nihilistic view of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. yeah nothing yes. matters. So just, you know, sit in your swimming pool all
1: day and get drunk. And the difference between the nihilistic view and the optimistic view is actually really close. like Very close. <laughs> so it's like They're very everything close. is smoke and will go away. So eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. Or... Everything is hell and smoke. It's just the tone it eat, of voice, or eat and drink tomorrow before you die. It's like literally just the tone of voice. So like it's really hard. It felt felt really difficult for us to like yeah. me at least yep. land on what I felt was the 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 right reading of it. So here's yep. where I, where I landed. Okay. Ultimately, Ecclesiastes is giving us a realistic if brutal picture of the way the world as it actually is. The world is full of disappointments, contradictions, and uh, exemptions or exceptions to the Mm. rules as God has laid out in his wisdom. Mm. But the good news in a world that is full of vanity and meaninglessness and smoke is that God kind of sits above the world and makes sure that no good deed or bad deed goes unpunished or unrewarded. God is watching even when it looks like nobody is. Kohella kind of presents this picture like the world's just gone amuck, nothing's going according to plan. But the very last bit of the book of Ecclesiastes kind of gives us the good news mm-hmm. uh in the book of Ecclesiastes, and, it, and he says in verse um <clears throat> fourteen, the very very last verse of Ecclesiastes. Because uh, God will bring every deed into judgment with every mm-hmm. se- secret thing, whether good or evil. So the idea is you have this world that kind of does not operate according to the wisdom the way that we thought it should. Mm-hmm. The world does not operate the way it should. Good people are taken advantage of. Bad people get ahead. Good people die young. Evil people live long. Why is that? And the good news is do not worry. God will judge you will make sure that all these things shake out in the end. Mm. So if that's the good news of the book, you're supposed to read, I think you're supposed to read the rest of the book in light of that. All of this does look like vanity and meaninglessness and smoke, but there is a God who sits above the chaos and smoke of the world who can give you not just meaning, but a good life in a world of meaninglessness, the blessed life, the Edenic life, in a world mm-hmm. where everything is out of control. So how do you have Eden in the middle of chaos? You eat like you were supposed to in Eden. You drink, you enjoy the things that God has given you because he is judging and he will make sure that you um, are with him on the final but you day. Don't,
0: yeah, but you don't do it from like a, well, this is all I have, so here we go. You know, Carpe diem would be the right. opposite of this. Yes. You know, Carpe Diem is either the blind optimism or the hopeless pessimism that people want to impose upon Ecclesiastes. But what you're saying is that there's this middle road. That embraces the pessimism, but holds out an even better optimism that says that um, there is wisdom in the contentment Ecclesiastes offers, but it is taking the good gifts that God gives as just that, as gifts to be enjoyed. Not as things that you earn to be eaten up before they're gone, or as smoke to be grabbed before it slips between your fingers. Like These are things that God has actually intended for you to enjoy today, worship him, and enjoy And like, those are, yeah. So I think that's really helpful. I think it's also really helpful. I think the wisest thing I've heard about Ecclesiastes uh, also pointed out these two polls. Uh, I think it was a professor giving a lecture series at, uh, I can't remember, maybe Reformed Theological Seminary. I think it was RTS. And uh, he said that most interpreters fail when they think that Ecclesiastes is all pessimistic or all optimistic. And the right way to read it is to embrace the fact that there are some pessimistic things and those pessimism, those pessimisms help us live in a fallen world. They, mm-hmm. and, and like they yeah. give a divine, this is actually okay to just brokenness. And it's yeah. like, we just name it. And like the, whenever, whenever rich people or, or sorry, whenever like evil people get rich and live long, um, you don't have to like think th- that, that God's out of control. Like, yeah. God knows that exception exists and inspired literature for his Bible to let us know that. Like, that's amazing. And I think Uh, part of the
1: reason why it's difficult to like read it and figure out what it is because it kind of, rather than giving you a straight answer, it kind of invites you to live in the tension between the way the world should be and mm -hmm. the way the world actually is. That's right. And the response in the middle can kind of seem like it goes both ways. And And it could, unless you have confidence that there's a God yeah. Who will bring evil people to justice and he'll reward good people um, on the last day. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, definitely. And so I think it, it, as we step into Ecclesiastes, then um, in this series, I, I think it'll be helpful for us to try to soberly assess the pessimism and go, what is here that's just like true? Like, yeah, we live this, this is real, this is the way the world's actually working, but then yeah. to always look for the 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 uh, godly optimism and yeah. say like, but what is true about God above it all that yes. helps us not just despair in this? And I think that it, it's really helpful here in this moment, and I'll probably bring it up in the next episode when we step into chapter one, because for me, I know you know this, but for me, this frames the book of ecclesiastes for me and this is the idea that he he says throughout the whole book and this is there's this line between what is above the sun and what is below the sun um and you have to kind of think about how he how the hebrew mind viewed the cosmos there was you know above the sun is the heavens below the sun is the created order and so he you know he says in in the beginning of ecclesiastes that he set out to understand the world under the sun Basically, yeah. without God, and none of it makes sense; none of the world makes sense without God. everything's broken, good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people, and none of proverbs comes true. and <laughs> right. then every now and then he peels back the 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 divider you know between heaven and earth, and he, he looks up into heaven and says, "But I know that God is good or and I know but I know that God will judge, but I know that good gifts come from God." And yeah. like, it gives us this little tiny peek into Eden, this little tiny peek into optimism. And I think that's what we're supposed to do is to see that, in a in a world full of pessimism and hopelessness and contradictions, God's wisdom comes to us and says that there is a solid hope, mm-hmm. like there is yeah. peace and a solution and solid ground to stand on in a world that feels shifting and unpredictable and wrong. Like there is think... goodness
1: another way to say it is you have an, most people have an expectation of the way the world should be. Like I as a kid had an expectation of the world, the world should be not just from scripture, but from like being naive and what my parents told me. Like a really great example was my parents told me that imitation is the sincerest form of (laughs) flattery, And I believe that until I realized some people are just jerks. (laughs) Like, and they're just literally hate me. All these and bullies really love me. Right. They just right. love, mock me. Aww. So it's like, I expect the world to work one way, and it didn't. Yeah. And in that moment, I kind of have two choices, right? Yep. I can kind of optimistically and naively just dismiss that. No, no, no. That is flattery. Yeah, They love me. Yep. Or I can be tempted to despair in that moment and say, like, well, nothing matters. I'll never have any friends for the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. those are like my two, like, the two poles Mm-hmm. And I think Ecclesiastes, we want to read Ecclesiastes in either one of those two poles. We want yep. to despair that anything in the world can ever be good, or we kind of want to sweep the suffering under the rug and say, see, there's still goodness here despite it all, and we can just ignore all the bad stuff. Right. And I think what Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. is calling us to is neither optimism nor despair, but fear, yeah. because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge that faith and trust that God is above the sun and he will take um, into account all that happens and bring it to justice in the final day. Yeah. Does what that a, make what sense?
0: A, it does. And what an amazing um, apologetic, you know, an apologetic is like a, an argument for God, you know, like uh, what an amazing apologetic. Cause I think what people do when they bring up their problem with a God is view like a god-centered view of reality or a theistic view of reality that god there's a good god that created everything and is all-powerful they say like well if god's all-powerful then bad things wouldn't happen to good people you know and i love that our bibles are unafraid to bring out all of the worst objections people could have to a theistic worldview and be like this is the way the world works and i believe in god
1: You know, like, so. what a cool thing. (laughs) It's really cool. And let's just double down on how cool that is and talk about Kohelet's name for a second. Okay,
0: sure, (laughs) sure, sure, sure. Because
1: we don't just have a book of the Bible telling us about the suffering of the world. Mm -hmm. We have this figure called Kohelet. So your Bible probably teaches it translates it as like um, the preacher or the, the preacher teacher or the teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the um, the Hebrew is Kohelet. That's yeah. the Hebrew yep. name for mm-hmm. it. Yep. Kohal. Yep. The Kahaller, the Kahal. He, Cah- a Kohelet Kahals. <laughs> the Kohelet Kahals uh, people. And what's fascinating is all throughout scripture, a Kahal mm-hmm. or a Kohelet is present in all these major moments in redemptive history. Moses is called a Kohelet, or a kaholler and um, the people
0: of Israel around Moses are the kahol of God the assembled of God the assembly uh, of God
1: yeah you have uh king david is a kaholler he calls mm-hmm. people yep. he's a even Kohelet. even
0: even the even the founding fathers of the faith you know like isaac um gives a blessing to his to his son and he prays that his son would increase and be fruitful and multiply into a great kahal, you know. Yes. Like, yeah. Right. So, so, so like a, this week... a kahal is like this chosen people of God, uh, led by. So, like they are the kahal, and then the 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 kohalit of the kahal, right? The yeah. assembler of the assembly, the speaker to the assembly, is the kohalit, right? And he. Yeah. He is, he in, at these great moments of redemptive history, he cahals to the people and he assembles the people and speaks to them and gives them wisdom and direction, blessing and, you know, and like, yes. and one of those moments that comes to us in the Bible, I think is what you're getting at, is Ecclesiastes. Yes. We are called around this book and the cohelet comes to us, the assembled ones of God and gives us God's wisdom. And he gives us these pessimistic words. Like it's, it's a yes.
1: strange thing. So we don't just have a book describing the weirdness of life or the unfairness mm-hmm. of life. I think you have a messianic figure, mm-hmm. a, a prefigurement of Jesus delivering to us the way the world actually is on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, so, and he's offering us. You have two options here. You have pessimism, despair over the futility of life, Or you can naively assume everything is fine and brush it all under the rug. Or you can trust the words of the Kohelet. Mm. God will judge. God will judge. All good things, both hidden and secret, God will judge. And what's fascinating, so I think in one level, the Kohelet is Jesus. The author of Ecclesiastes, I think probably we would say Solomon, like Mm -hmm. he's Solomon, but he's also Jesus who proclaims that in a world where we're tempted to either naivety or despair, there is one coming, he himself, who will be judged for you mm. to bring about the new Eden in a world that is out of control. He will bring control He like to you yeah. by his own judgment. I think that's where I want to go by the time we yeah. get to the end of the book. No, it's of, so good. I think I another I way to
0: talk about it when we talk about like this optimism or pessimism you know, like the optimist wants to look at the world and be like, no, everything's fine. I'm good. You're good. God's good. Everything's fine. And Jesus, as the ultimate Kohelet steps in, he's like, no, there's a lot of this fall that needs to be dealt with. And it needs to be dealt with in flesh and blood and death. And Jesus enters in and does not allow for blind optimism. The gospel doesn't allow for it. But then the pessimist wants to go like, everything's death and everything ends, and everything's pointless, and Jesus is like, no, I rose from the dead, and I forgave sins, and I made the end of life its beginning, you know, and I brought life into eternity, you know, like, he doesn't allow for blind optimism or hopeless pessimism. Like, Jesus conquers both in his death and resurrection, and like, that's why he's wisdom, and that's why he's Kohelet. Yeah. That's cool. He,
1: He describes the world as it actually is, and I think there's like, that's a common misconception about christianity that it's like rose colored it's rose colored people don't know what they're talking about so i kind of love the fact that we have an ecclesiastes in our mm-hmm. scripture yeah where it doesn't gloss over real pain real suffering real um like injustice and it says and that jesus himself comes and says no no i'm going to absorb all of that mm. i will be judged for all that so that all these things that went wrong for good people people who have feared the lord who have trusted in the lord will become untrue will become mm. true new eden will rest yeah
0: oh man well i cannot wait to dive into this book chapter by chapter here um i don't know how many episodes we'll do in all um i don't know
1: yeah, I feel like we could be in here forever. It's an awesome <laughs> book. <laughs> we won't
0: put our poor listeners through that, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll be in here for a little bit. It's a short, it's a shorter book, so we won't be in here forever. But I'm excited. We'll jump into chapter one, maybe one and two uh, next week. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to talking about the word "hevel," vanity of vanities, everything's mm-hmm. vanity. Looking at uh, who who was this guy who wrote the preface and you know, like what was the first experiment that, that the the preacher went through to prove his thesis. And there's a lot of, there's a lot to talk about. So I'm excited. So, uh, man, Seth, thanks for contributing so much today. I just, I felt really blessed by a lot of things you had to say and, um, really thankful for all you guys for listening. Um, we just, we, it's such a great joy for us to get to do this for you and for ourselves. And we just, uh, we thankful that you're here with us listening. So, uh, thank you all for being here with us and we will see you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.